All right, what's up, Center Church? Like Josh said, my name is Daniel Tripp, and for real, I'm just honored to be with you guys uh, today. And Catalyst is in Newport News, Virginia. If you've never heard of it, it's because it's kind of a goofy name. I get it, I get it. Uh, but we're right next to Williamsburg in the Hampton Roads area. And so if you're ever in that area, we would love to have you come join us on a Sunday morning, be an encouragement to our church. Friends, our, our church really is trying to do really the same thing that you guys are. We, have, we are a multi-generational church family, uh, really with a heart for college students. Uh, right next to CNU. And in, in fact, our church is just less than a 10-minute walk from CNU's campus. So we are right there in the thick of it. And let me tell you a little bit about our church so we can get to know each other a little bit now. Our church was actually planted 11 years ago by a great uh, planting pastor and, and really with a vision to make disciples and to send disciples to see a multiplying movement. And God got, God brought great growth in the midst of that, even sending capacity. But then decline started entering into the life of the church. And after year after year of decline, the church actually last August, 2022, got to a point of around 49 people on a Sunday morning. And so that's where really we enter into the story. I was part of a Summit Collaborative Church in North Carolina and, and God really called us and sent us, my wife and my son and I, to, to move to Newport News, Virginia. And, and I wanna brag about Jesus for a minute. All right, like God, as Josh just said, has been on the move there and, and really bringing to a church that had uh, great bones but needed new life to come in. God is bringing new life to these church planting bones. So again, we started off at last August around 49 people and we're seeing close to around 108 gather on every single week on a Sunday morning. Now, yeah, that's something to celebrate, absolutely. Not just that, but, but we have seen where we entered in, there were gonna be around two community groups. That's what we, you have missional communities, we call them community groups. And our community groups have been able to grow and multiply. We now have seven community groups gathering throughout our city as we gather and scatter around the gospel. And then I think the thing that is just most exciting is in 2022, uh, sadly, we, we had no baptisms as a church. Uh, but in 2023, we've celebrated five baptisms in our church, right? Like that's awesome. Like God is on the move and that is something to celebrate. That's something to celebrate even in your church. Even today, you have two baptisms, one in this service, like new life in Christ, people stepping forward, obedient to King Jesus as a disciple of him. Friends, God is on the move, not just in Newport News, but here in Charlottesville. And I just wanna thank you as you guys are being obedient and stepping forward in that, that you guys would, would, would choose us to be one of the partners that you hold the rope with this uh, season. Friends, it truly is gonna help us go further faster and we are thankful for this wonderful, rich partnership together. And I'm excited, yes, about what God has been doing, what he's gonna be doing in you as you step forward in faith in 2024, launching a third service to reach new people uh, there in that third service. But friends, I'm excited as well of what God has been doing in us, but I'm more excited about the future because there's something that I believe like to the core of who I am, something that I know is to the core of who you are as a church too that part of God's plan to save the world is to use disciples just like you and me. And in fact, I don't know if you've ever thought about it quite in that way, but God's plan literally to save the world is to use you, an ordinary person living an ordinary life but with gospel intentionality. Friends, to be part of, the, of God's grand mission, living on mission for him. And so I think that leads to a question though, in light of that wonderful truth, how do you do that? Like, how do you, how do you actually live on mission for Jesus? Maybe you've heard that before. Maybe you've heard, we gotta live on mission, right? We're on mission, family. But you're like, 
What does that mean, right? Like that's what we wanna unpack today. We're gonna be in 2 Timothy chapter two and we're gonna see a wonderful rich truth, a, a big idea really in the text that disciples live on mission to make multiplying disciples. That's what that mission is, that our identity as Christians, as believers is that we are disciples, followers, students, residents, if you will, of Jesus and that we would live on mission making multiplying disciples. But as we jump into 2 Timothy chapter two this morning, I wanna give you a warning. All right, about 10 plus years ago, I studied this passage kind of deeply, in depth for the, the first time. And when I did, the Holy Spirit absolutely wrecked my life. And I mean that in all the best ways, but just changed my understanding of what it meant for me to live as a Christian, what it meant for me to live on mission and practically really the trajectory for the rest of my life. And my prayer this morning is that the Spirit of God is going to do that in you as well. That as we buckle up and dive deep into this text, that the Spirit of God would move, would convict and challenge and change your life as you engage in the mission of God for the rest of your days and we would be part of seeing the gospel brought not just to Charlottesville, not just to Newport News, but to our state and to our world as we would see a multiplying vision of disciples. So friends, let's pray and ask the Spirit to do that. And let's jump into 2 Timothy together. Father, we thank you that you have, by your Spirit, empowered Paul years ago to, pre, to, to write this letter that has been preserved. And I pray now that you would illuminate this text, that you would empower me with your Spirit to do what I can. I can't save sinners. I can't, I can't give this wonderful life change that we're asking, but we're begging you that you would do that now. Would you open our eyes and would we hear and do the word? In Jesus' name, amen. So as we jump into 2 Timothy chapter two, he's going to tell us, Paul is, three things that we need to understand in order to practically live on mission for Jesus. The first that we need to understand is that your means for mission is the gospel. That your means for mission is the gospel. Check it out, verse one. We have a lot to cover, so we got to go really fast. He says, you then... All right, time out. So we're gonna stop right there, okay? I was just messing with you. We're gonna, go really, we're gonna go really slow, look at different words. He says, you then. So this is Paul talking to Timothy, right? This is his second letter that he wrote to Timothy. And Paul is in prison. He's in prison because he's been preaching the gospel and he's most likely just months away from being beheaded for his faith. Paul knows this. He's somehow caught wind of this that now is the time that he's going to die. And what does Paul do in his final moments Right before death, he writes a message, a, a letter to Timothy. He says, you then, my child. This isn't his literal, his physical, his biological child. No, this is his child in the faith, the one he's been discipling. And he's writing this letter to his disciples saying, I've been on this mission of God. I, I, you have come to Christ, I've been discipling you, you have to continue this forward. He says, you then, meaning he's contrasting the unbelievers, the false teachers that he's talking about throughout the letter of 2 Timothy. He says, they're doing this way, they're teaching that way, they are living this way, but you have to do something radically different. You have to live on mission for Jesus. And in fact, he says this, you then, my child, disciples, live on mission. He says, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Be strengthened. Now, what's that strength he's talking about? Is he talking about the strength you need to get the, the gains in the gym? Is he talking about the strength you're gonna need when you go to your thousandth Christmas party next week to not eat all the Christmas cookies? I might need some of that strength, but that's not what he's talking about here. 
He's talking about strength to live on mission. He's talking about really the context of this whole passage to live on mission. We need strength to live on mission. And notice what he says. He says to be strengthened, right? Meaning the strength is given to you. That God is going to give you this strength. And we know we need strength, right? Like we're pretty weak people. I know we're just getting to know each other, but let me be honest with you. Most days, I'm just trying to get through the day, right? Like I'm just trying to make sure I don't get angry at someone at some point. I'm just trying to make sure that my son, my sweet son, doesn't smack the TV with the broom again. Like I'm just trying to do that. I'm just trying to make sure that I actively engage with my wife and my son and I'm not just on the phone all night. Like I'm just trying to do that, let alone Like, I know I'm a weak person and I need strength. I need strength to be able to intentionally live out the mission of God. Because I have an enemy against me. You have an enemy against you. Do you realize that? He doesn't want you to advance the gospel. He doesn't want you to live on mission. You and I are weak people. And we need the strength of God to help us to live on mission for him. And so, where does this strength come from? And how can we actually get the strength? How can we be strengthened? Well, friends, he tells us, doesn't he? He tells us where the strength comes from. He says, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. He says, you wanna know where the means for the mission is. You wanna know where this strength comes. It comes from the gospel of Jesus. The grace, the good news of Jesus. Because that grace, that gospel, is not something that just saved you in the past. It is something that is saving you and that will save you. Friends, that we don't graduate from the gospel, or as the late Tim Keller says, that the, that the Christian life is not just the ABCs of Christianity, but it is the A to Z. That's what the gospel is. Friends, we don't just move past it. We don't graduate from it. We need this gospel to continue in us. That's where the gospel comes from. That's where this strength comes from. It's from the gospel. But how do we get the strength? Like, how do we actively continue to be strengthened for this mission? Well, it comes from God. He's the one that does the strengthening, but we are the ones who must actively pursue it in order to experience it, which is why a great pastor, Tony Marita in Raleigh, North Carolina, he has a really helpful list, I think, of how we actually are strengthened by the gospel. It'll be on the screen. I think it's really helpful for you and for me. He says, number one, and really all these things, by the way, they come from throughout the letter of 2 Timothy. He says, remember that you are in Christ Jesus. Didn't Paul just say that? He said this, that you will be strengthened by the grace that is for those who are in Christ Jesus. Friends, this is an identity claim, that you were once dead in your sin, that you were living out in sin, that you were defined by your sin, but now, no longer, no, now you are defined by what, not what you did, but what Jesus did for you, that you have to remember, you have to reclaim, you have to remind yourself every single day, I am in Christ Jesus. He has not just saved me to sideline me. He has saved me to send me. I am in Christ Jesus, he says. But not just that we remember that, but number two, that we ask God to strengthen you. You know, Paul, he starts off 2 Timothy by talking about how much he's praying. He's praying all the time. And what's he praying for? He's praying for strength for him, strength for others in the gospel. Isn't this what you saw last week? As Josh preached through Acts chapter one, you saw that we need to regularly ask that the spirit of God would fill you with his spirit to give you supernatural strength to be able to advance the gospel. Friends, this is what we have to beg God for every single day. Have you asked God for strength this past week for the mission of God? 
Thirdly, though, we have to be under and in his word. If you've ever studied the book of 2 Timothy, you know that it's all about the Bible. It's all about scripture. It's all about the word of God. In fact, in just about 100 verses, that's how long 2 Timothy is, you're gonna see this show up more than any other word. It's just all over the place. Why? It's because Paul knows that you get your strength from the word of God. That's why we have to be under the word of God. That's why we gather on Sunday mornings to hear the gospel preached, but not just under the word of God, but in the word of God. That's why we study day in and day out, applying this word of God. And can I just tell you about something that God has been using to advance the mission and to make disciples at Catalyst? We, we have a reading guide, a resource that we give every single sermon series in our church where we walk through and study the gospel together leading up to that week. And friends, I've had heard story after story of people who have never read the Bible that are now beginning to now read the Bible and be not only under the word, but in the word. And guess what's happening? Their life is changing. They're being shaped to be more like Jesus as they're under and in the word. This is how we're strengthened. And then fourthly, that we would live in community. Paul, like I said, is about to die. And people are abandoning him in the midst of that. How would you feel if that happened? <laughs> you would be really sad. You would be really down. And Paul says, just like a paragraph before, a few verses before, everyone abandoned me, but this one dude stayed. And man, that just, that just was refreshing to me. Friends, Paul knows what you and I know, that we were created for community, that we need the people of God filled with the spirit of God to help us empower us for the mission of God. Friends, that's what we need. We need and are made to live in community. This is how we are strengthened for this gospel because friends, the gospel that saved you is the gospel that strengthens you. And as it strengthens you, it sends you. That is our means for the mission is this gospel. But Paul tells us there's a second thing to understand too. That the method for our mission is to multiply disciples. Check it out, verse two. He says, what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men, men and women who will be able to teach others also. Friends, this is what our method for the mission is, is to make multiplying disciples. Quite literally, he says, I want you to have spiritual great-grandchildren. You ever thought of it that way? That God, what God wants for you is to have spiritual great-grandchildren. Now, when you read through the passage like this, and almost like a newspaper, just left to right, it can be easy to miss Paul's point. But I wanna uh, show you just kind of these verses in a different format. You'll see it on the screen behind me. But Paul says, hey, the first generation here is Paul himself. I mean, in some sense, it's Jesus, because Jesus gave him the gospel directly. But here, Paul is the one of this first generation. And what did he do? He entrusted, he gave, he shared and showed the gospel to Timothy, a second generation. And it was in the presence of many witnesses. There were many others around that he was discipling. And Paul says, man, I am about to die. You have to advance this gospel. You have to continue this forward. So you need to take it to a third generation, faithful men, faithful men and women, entrusting them with the gospel. You have to make disciples and do that so well that they would take the gospel to others. I don't know who those others are, but you know who those are. It's your neighbor, it's your coworker, it's your, it's your family member, that we would share the gospel so well that one day we would have spiritual great-grandchildren. That's what Paul wants more than anything. At the end of his life, that's what he's begging God for. That's what he's writing for. And that's what the Holy Spirit chose to preserve as, as Paul's final words to you and me. Make multiplying disciples. So what would it look like if you actually did that? 
Like, what would it look like if you actually shared the gospel and showed the gospel in a way that we would make multiplying disciples? Maybe to back up a little bit, have you ever thought about this? How'd we get here? Like, why are we here right now? Like, why are you sitting here in Charlottesville, Virginia, near the end of 2023, hearing some dude that grew up in Western North Carolina, he lives in Newport News, he wears the same shoes that everyone on staff at Center Church wears for some reason. <laughs> That's really why I got invited, by the way. Like, how did I get here? How did we, how did... Friends, it's because people like Paul shared the gospel with Timothy. And Timothy shared it with others who shared it with others, all the way to where I was actually entrusted the gospel with others in my life. That's why we're here. That's why I'm on mission in Newport News and, and helping lead our church in that way. It's because people like Steve, my kids director, much like the kids director and the kids volunteers, perhaps you serve in the hallway, entrusting the gospel to the children here in this church. It's because people like that, and then I responded and repented and believed. It's people like Mark, who discipled me when I was in middle school and high school. It's people like Jerry, my lead pastor of that church, who discipled me personally. It's people like Roger, who would disciple me in college, just like many of you do at Center College. Friends, it's people like Dayton, the lead pastor of the, our sending church, who really taught me how to be a man, how to be a pastor. And it's people like Chuck and Denise. I don't call them that, I call them dad and mom, but that is their name. <laughs> like, it's people like them that entrusted the gospel and modeled the gospel for you and for me. Because they realized that we're constantly being discipled by something and someone. In fact, if I can talk to the, the parents and, and, and perhaps parents to be in the room, like we know that our children are constantly being discipled by something, right? Like I know my son, my son's two and a half, James, he's in the kids hall now. And you know, James is constantly being discipled by someone. His name is Blippi. You ever heard of Blippi? All the parents in the room are like, oh yeah, yeah. Well, trust me, we know who Blippi is, right? He, for, let me catch you up to speed. Blippi is this guy, wears blue and orange, all right? And this turkey, he's on YouTube and he like, he, Guys, he's making 75 million. Like, that's how much this guy is worth, okay? He's doing really well for his, himself. And my son, just the sweetest little boy, okay? But like, he can't use the potty yet, but he knows all of Blippi's songs. Like, he's gonna sing right along with him. And if that ain't discipleship, I don't know what is. But it's not just James who's being discipled by, you know, media that he consumes. It's me and you. Like, any podcasters in the room? Yeah, like, I'm constantly, like, it's a problem, to be honest. I, like, I listen to podcasts too much, okay? But like, you better believe that that is shaping my worldview and how I understand how I should live my life. Or, or maybe it's not that. Maybe it's movies you watch, shows that you watch. Maybe it's the news that you consume. Uh, maybe you're like, hey, Daniel, I just watch sports all the time. You better believe that when you watch ESPN and those things, that it absolutely is shaping us. Friends, we're all being discipled. So what would it look like if we intentionally, just like Paul, had a vision to make multiplying disciples that one day you would be a spiritual great grandparent. What would it look like if not only did your child come to know Jesus, but your great-grandchildren and their family came to know Jesus? How would your family look different? What would it look like if your neighborhood, not just your neighbor, but many on your street came to know Christ? And friends, how would your street look different? For professionals, those in the workplace, what would it look like if not just your, your, the person in the cubicle, the woman next to you that so needs Jesus, that she got saved, but friends, that many in your department got saved? And that how would your office look different? Friends, the whole world would look different. Charlottesville would be set ablaze for the gospel. 
Friends, Newport News would absolutely change. Friends, what would it look like if you actually caught this vision that Paul is painting for you and for me? To live on mission, that you would multiply disciples. And, you know, if you're like me, when I hear this, I'm like, let's go. Like, come on, let's do it. But how do we do that? Like, how, how do you actually live on mission? How do you make disciples that make disciples? Well, friends, it's actually quite simple, in essence. It's that you share and show the gospel. It's that you share and show the gospel. Really, that's what it looks like first to multiply disciples is that you would share the gospel with those around you. So what is that gospel? That you should regularly be sharing with those around you, bleeding it out in your culture, of, out of your home, and in your lifestyle. Friends, it's the good news of Jesus in my place. But in order to understand that good news, you have to understand the bad news. The bad news that you and I are sinners. We are all lost and have sinned against a good God of the universe. It's not a problem. It's not a habit to hack. It's not an oopsie. No, no, no. Sin is, as the late R.C. Sproul says, cosmic treason against the king of the universe. And because of that, you and I cannot do anything to erase our infinite sin debt that we have against him. That's the bad news. So what's the good news? Friends, the good news is that God the Father sent God the Son to be on mission for you and for me and to live the perfect sinless life that you and I can't and that we don't, and then to die the death that you and I deserve on the cross in our place, all to pay our sin debt back to God the Father in full. And here's the great part. We know he did, because three days later, Jesus walked out of the grave, victorious over sin and death and hell and the grave, and that anyone who repents and believes the gospel, turns from their sin and trusts in Jesus and Jesus alone, is given life and salvation. They are saved, not to be sidelined, but to be sent for the mission of God. Friend, that we share that gospel. We share that gospel to our family and to our coworkers. Friend, we share the gospel with others. But we don't just share the gospel with others. We then show them the gospel. We show them as we're doing everything we saw from verse one, as you are strengthened by that gospel, day in and day out, you show them how to do it too. And you show them so well that they will show others. Friends, we share and show the gospel. So who is it in your life that you need to share and show the gospel with this week? How can you be part of this mission of God now? Friends, this is, what this, uh, this is what we must be on. This is what life is really all about. This is the purpose that God has us for, to live on mission for him. But Paul wraps this section up by, by telling us one more thing that we do need to understand, which is what should our mindset for the mission be? And what we see is that the mindset, your mindset for mission, is to suffer like Jesus. Check it out, the beginning of verse three. He says, share in suffering. That's kind of hard, like, gear shift, isn't it? Like, if you're reading, you're like, man, I'm so excited. I know I'm in Christ. He has saved me to send me. Let's go. I can do this. And he says, in great news, you're going to suffer. Merry Christmas. Right? Like, what a downer. Why does he do this? It's because the Bible speaks to real life. And because Paul knows that just like Jesus promised, you will suffer, you will go through persecution, Paul says, I did it. I went through suffering. I went through persecution. I'm literally about to die for the sake of this. And you will too. We will all suffer if we live on mission for Jesus. 
Friend, it is the reality. I don't know how you will, but if you live on mission, if you actually step forward in faith as a disciple who makes disciples who makes disciples, whether it's financially that you will suffer, whether it's relationally that you will suffer, whether it's uh, uh, professionally that you will suffer, or in other ways in your life, we will suffer as we live on mission for Jesus. So when that hits us, when we're excited about the mission, but then we realize real life hits us, what should our mindset be in order to actively and actually live on mission? And Paul's gonna tell us three ways that we need to do this. He's gonna give us three illustrations. He makes it really practical for you and me. He says, we need to have a mindset like Jesus. And he says, let me paint you a picture of how. First, he says, think about people in the military. He says, think about a soldier. Verse three and four says this, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. Now, something you need to know about Newport News and, and our city, if you were ever to, ever to gather with us on a Sunday, is that we have a decent amount of service members in our church. There's a lot of people serving in the military in the Hampton Roads area where Newport News is at. And so they really get this passage. They know what exactly it means to have this kind of mindset. Maybe you know too. Maybe you are a service member. Thank you for serving, by the way. Maybe you, you did, or maybe you're like me and you have a family member who did. I know my brother was in the Marines and my brother's like a really goofy dude, but like there is a light switch on that can turn on out of nowhere. And man, that guy gets laser focused on something. Like you cannot deter him in any way. He is laser focused on whatever his mission is at that moment. And that's what Paul says you and I have to have. We have to have the mindset of a soldier when we are on mission. Now, this is the part of the sermon where if you're a parent, you're like, Daniel, that sounds great. But how am I supposed to have a mindset like a soldier when I'm just trying to get Sammy to swim this week, man? Like, I was just trying to fight my kid to like, put on his shirt and get his jacket on because it's raining outside just to get him here today. I'm just trying to get James to eat peas. Like, how am I supposed to have the mindset of a soldier in the mission of God? And Paul tells us, he says in verse four, that since, because his aim, his purpose, his focus is to please the one who enlisted him. Friends, it's that our focus, when you're driving Sammy to soccer, your focus when tomorrow your boss emails you 10 times in the morning and says, when are you gonna get this project done? Which you didn't know about until yes, tomorrow, by the way. Like when that happens, that you would focus on Jesus. That you would have a undivided devotion and focus to Jesus. Just like Jesus, while on mission for you and me, had undivided focus on obeying and pleasing the Father. Friends, that's the mindset that you and I have, a, a mindset, a focus. But he paints another picture. He says, you don't just need to be like a soldier and be focused, you need to be like an athlete. Verse five, he says, an athlete is not crowned, he doesn't you know, win unless he competes against the rules. Now, I know that I'm standing up on a platform right now, but if I was standing next to you, you realize I'm a fairly tall guy, okay? I'm six foot four. And you would maybe assume that, hey, that guy probably played basketball at some point. You'd be right. But that's where your assumption about my basketball skills should stop, okay? Like, almost quite literally, I can't jump. Like, it's very embarrassing. God gave me this height not to jump, but to, like, run into spider webs into my forehead, okay? So if you're shorter in the room, like, 
Josh, then you understand that the reason that you've never run into a spider web is because I always run into them. You're welcome. Now, going back to basketball, I really am not very good at basketball, but I do understand the rules, okay? And in the rules, you can't just dribble out of bounds and go where you want around people. You can't just grab the ball and run with it, unless you're in the NBA and you can, you know, somewhat do that, right? You have to follow the rules in order to win. Or, you know, really, it's this idea of integrity. Or, I think, to put it simply, Paul is saying you can't cut corners in the mission of God. You can't cut corners in the mission of God. And if I'm honest with you, I'm constantly tempted to cut corners in the mission of God. Right, like I wake up in the morning and maybe I had a long night before, something going on in family, some, some sort of meeting, something on my mind, or maybe I just stayed up watching sports or whatever it is. And I wake up and I know I need to be strengthened by the gospel. But I'm like, I'm just tired. Like I, I don't want to be strengthened by the gospel right now. I'm just gonna cut corners. Uh, I'm just gonna go back to sleep. Or that, that I know that I need to go and share the gospel and show the gospel to my neighbor who I'm on mission for to my son, to those around me, but I'm just like, maybe someone else will do it today. Friends, I'm tempted to cut corners in the mission of God. And I don't know how you're tempted to cut corners, but friends, we all are, which is why he tells us to have the mindset of Jesus who praised God as he was tempted in every way, didn't cut corners for you and for me while on the cross paying for our sin debt. Friends, Paul tells us to have this mindset amongst ourselves. Not just though that we would be focused and have integrity, but thirdly, he says, think about a farmer. Verse six, it is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Now, so far, Paul's talked about pretty exciting things. He says, hey, be like a soldier, be like an athlete. That's like something you'd post on social media, right? But then he's like, hey, be like a farmer. It's kind of boring in comparison. Now, no offense if you're a farmer here. Thank you so much. We eat because of you. We greatly appreciate that. But like in comparison, it's not as flashy, right? Like we can get behind these first two, but this third one, why does he share this? Friends, it's because farmers, they're incredibly hardworking, as he says. They get up before you and me, like way before you and me. Like they're working incredibly hard in order to plant this crop and then they're just praying that God would bring rain and somehow something would bud up eventually. Like earlier this week, I was looking at the National Christmas Tree Association, which is a thing, by the way. And I was looking at that and they said that on average, it takes seven to 10 years for a Christmas tree to grow and to mature to the size of like one of these, these are obviously fake, but to one of these sizes uh, that you would actually wanna buy it which is crazy. Like that's an incredibly long time. Like if you're riding down this road, I saw some Christmas trees for sale last night, which by the way, if you don't have a Christmas tree up, you should get on that, okay? Like you got two weeks, all right? Not much time. But if you're gonna go buy that tree, that thing took seven to 10 years until it shows up in your home. Like that's incredibly hard work. That takes a very long time. That takes a lot of patience. And Paul says, isn't that what discipleship is? Isn't that what disciple making is? that you're gonna share and show the gospel as you are strengthened by that gospel day in and day out. You're gonna share the gospel with your child week in and month out and year in and year out. You're gonna share the gospel and you're gonna show the gospel to your neighbor and your coworker and it's gonna feel like I am wasting my time. God, when are you going to send the rain? God, when are you gonna bring the growth? But friends, eventually, new life starts to bud up and friends, the gospel begins to spread. 
And friends, then that turns into a seed that turns into a beautiful tree that one day can even spread to more. Friends, that's what Paul says, that we would have this mindset where we would be focused, we would have integrity, and we would work hard with patience. Friends, this is this mindset for mission. And Paul tells us in the midst of this that we are on mission ultimately to multiply disciples, that you were saved not to just be sidelined. No, 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 you were saved to be sent. And he wraps up this passage by saying, verse seven, think over what I say, not just once. Don't just listen to this sermon and well, that was okay, let's keep going. No, 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 that we would continue to meditate on this passage. In fact, if you don't have a passage in 2024 that you should memorize, maybe you've never even memorized a Bible passage. This is a passage that you should memorize in 2024 that you would actively live this out, that we would meditate, think over this, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. He says, you wanna know actually how you and your life can live on mission for Jesus? Keep meditating on this passage. In fact, I wanna try to help you in this. It's really a list of questions that, that God helped me to, to identify from this passage to help myself. And I think it'll be helpful for you as well in really diagnostic questions that you should ask yourself every day of am I living on mission for Jesus? It'll be on the screen to help you. First is, am I being strengthened by the gospel? Am I actually going to that strength? I know I need to be strengthened. This is something that God does to me, but am I actively engaging in this to receive this strength? Number two, who will I share and show the gospel to today? Is it your child? Is it your neighbor? Is it your coworker? Who is it that you can share and show the gospel to today? This is not just a one and done. This is not just, let me uh, just check the box. This is a lifestyle we live. And friends, thirdly, which mindset of Jesus am I neglecting today? And notice how I ask that. It's not, am I neglecting one? No, which one am I? Friends, we're all gonna be tempted, whether it's I'm tempted to, to not be focused on the mission. Maybe it's I'm tempted to cut corners on the mission today. Maybe it's that I'm tempted to not work hard. I'm tempted to be impatient in the mission of God. But friends, how can I, in the midst of this, what am I neglecting? And friends, as you go through these three questions, most likely you're going to experience what I experience, which is I realize I'm not living on mission for Jesus as he has called me to according to this passage. So what do you do when that happens? Well, friends, we go back to where we started. We go back to really what this whole passage is centered on, which is that grace of Christ. Friends, when you find yourself not being actively strengthened by the, by the grace of God to be on mission for him, repent and return to grace. Friends, when, when you realize that I'm not actively sharing and showing the gospel to those around me, repent and return to grace. And when you realize I am not uh, living out this mindset for the mission in some way, I'm neglecting that, then friends, repent and return to grace. And as you do, friends, the Spirit of God will not only advance the gospel in you, but he will advance the gospel through you. And friends, that vision of this multiplying movement of disciple makers, of this you being a spiritual great-grandparent will not just be a vision, a hope for, the real, of hope for the future, but friends, it will become a reality in your life. Friends, that it will change Charlottesville for the sake of the gospel. It will change Newport News, but not just those. Friends, it will change our state, our country, and our world. 
Friends, it will look radically different as the kingdom of God comes forth and we are part of God's grand mission to save the world. Friends, this is what it looks like to live on mission for Jesus. And for some of you, as you've heard this text preached, you've realized, Daniel, I'm not even a disciple of Jesus. Like when you're laying this out of what it looks like and means and fundamentally your identity as a Christian is to do this, that's not me in any way. So what is my response? Friends, if that's you, then your response is that gospel that I shared earlier, this good news of Jesus in my place, it's today to repent and believe. It's to trust in Jesus who will not only save you, but will send you. And friends, for us as believers today, is that we would join in on the mission of God, making multiplying disciples to the ends of the earth. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that by your spirit, you've given us this text. That Father, we ask that you would help us not to merely hear this word, but to be doers of this word that we would actively be part of the mission of God. You have done so much work for these years in Charlottesville, Father, through Center Church. Father, you are doing such a work in Newport News at Catalyst Church, but we ask that you are not done yet, that you would continue to advance the gospel in and through us. Father, there are people in this room that are not followers, are not disciples of Jesus. We ask you, we beg you, We know that you have been on mission for them, that you have worked hard pursuing after them by your spirit. We ask that right now that you would grant them repentance, that Father, that they would repent and believe and they would be part of this grand mission with us, your mission to save the world. In Jesus' name, amen.